Well, it's 2018, so this is the first show to kick off the new year, and we sit here about three and a half years into this Adventure Rider Radio. A few months back, we passed two million downloads. That doesn't include our radio station play, so we're really stoked about 2018 and what's going to happen for this year. We built Adventure Rider Radio on a model of some advertising and listener support to make the whole thing work. So if you like what we've been producing here and you're interested in trying to help us make the show even better than what we're doing so far, consider dropping by our website and clicking on the support button. And we've got a few ways you, you can support. You can use PayPal or credit cards and you can do a one-time or you can do monthly support pledges. Anything $10 or more is going to get you a sticker sent back at you. Anything $50 or more will get you a mention on the show. So, I mean, we really appreciate your support if you can do it. www.adventureriderradio.com and click on the support button. Now, just before I finish up there, there's another way you can help the show out and it doesn't take hardly any effort at all. That's to share it. Just share it with your friends. Share it on social media. Um, you can share a page, the website, um, even individual episodes. Just go and find an episode you like and, and share that. All the sharing helps. So um, anything you can do to, to get the name out there and get more people listening to the show would really help us. Don't forget, if you're going to post about it, put the hashtag in Adventure Rider Radio. <laughs> On today's episode, we have someone with no off-road riding skills to begin with that took a stab at the GS Trophy. My name's Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. Max BMW Motorcycles has been outfitting adventure riders since 2002. 45,000 parts and accessories available online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. And you can sign up for their e-rider newsletter too. It's free. maxbmw.com. That's maxbmw.com. Best Rest Products is home of the Cycle Pump Tire Inflator, Tire Iron Bead Breaker, Easy Air Tire Gauge, and other adventure motorcycle gear. Whether you're on the road or off the road, you're going to want a compact and reliable tire inflation method. The Cycle Pump runs right off your bike's electrical system and will inflate a flat tire in less than three minutes. It's the one we use here at Adventure Rider Radio. Made in the USA and comes with a lifetime warranty. And Motorcycle Consumer News Magazine just chose the Cycle Pump as the MCM top pick in their recent compressor comparison. www.cyclepump.com I'm Sam Manicum. Nick Sanders. Terry Borden. Sandy Borden. Jack Borden. Graham Field. Austin Vince. Jason Spafford. Lisa Murray. David Peterson. Rachel. Ed March. Glenn Hickstead. Dr. Gregory W. Fraser. Dave Barr. Michelle Lampier. Tiffany Coates. Herbert Schwartz. Brett Tack. Zoe Cano. Nathan Millward. Graham Hoskins. Joe Rowe. Jeremy Craker. Simon Thomas. Lisa Thomas. Simon Pavey. Grant Johnson. Robert Witt. Seth Simon. Elizabeth Martin. Carol DeBell. And you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty, innovative luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. Turn any dry bag into motorcycle luggage using their unique strapping system. And of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is all tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse of adventure riding. And that has gained them a top reputation for tough, reliable gear. www.greenchiliadv.com That's www.greenchiliadv.com The MotoBreeze chain oiler is powered by wind pressure that automatically adjusts for speed. No electrical or vacuum connections. It delivers oil to your chain with a felt pad that's mounted on your swing arm, which eliminates the problems of exposed nozzles near your sprockets. Get more miles from your chain and sprockets and forget about the messy spray oil. www.motobreeze.com. That's two eyes in there. www.motobreeze.com.
Dimitri Turnus is from Greece. He now lives in the U.S. And he's got an intense passion for life. It shows in his bucket list because Dimitri's bucket list is so long, it's over 800 items, that he's going to have to hustle to complete it in just one lifetime. But that's the kind of fuel for a guy that walks into his first day at an off-road riding school with no previous experience, walks up and tells the instructor that he's there to learn to ride so that he can represent the U.S. in the International GS Trophy. My name is Dimitrios Tournas and I was born in Kavala, Greece. I am currently a film engineer for a very large IT company, Dell, and uh, right now I live in Temecula, California. Dimitri, welcome to Adventure Rider Radio. Thank you, Jim. It is absolutely great. It's an honor to be here. You've got a really deep passion for riding motorcycles and for achieving things with them, but what is it that got you started with bikes to begin with? Um, Okay, so I guess that the first thing that got me into riding was my mother. Uh, my mother had a Yamaha T80 moped. It's like a scooter. We call it the duck in, in Greece. And um, what happened is that um, I thought that it, she didn't know. So, But every now, every now and then I would uh, get the bike from her and uh, just go on a ride and just see what it is. So what happened is that at some point my mom finally decided to tell me that, you know, I do know that <laughs> you're secretly riding the bike. So instead of um, punishing me or grounding me, she actually told me that, um, you know, you should get the bike and go on a trip and see if you like it. And maybe you like it. And that's what I did. So um, in uh, 1994, I believe, right before I went to the military, um, my uh, mom gave me her Yamaha scooter T80. And I went for my first national a motorcycle meeting in Greece. It was actually in a small island called Thassos, right across uh, the city that I was born. And um, I went there with a friend of mine who was riding a, a Vespa 200. So that wasn't what really got me into motorcycle, rather than what happened the day that we were getting there. Um, so on our way there, we got pulled over by uh, local police. Actually, my friend got pulled over for uh, just a regular check. I kept riding and uh, just down a few miles down the road, I um, stopped my bike and I was waiting for him. And uh, a short period of time later, I heard a couple of bikes coming towards me and some guy just stopped, took his helmet out and he asked me if I was okay. And uh, that was new to me. I mean, I don't know this guy and he just came out of nowhere and he's just asking me if I'm okay. And then I realized that this is what motorcyclists do. They just care for each other. And I thought that, you know, this is something that I want to get involved in. And uh, after that, I was into motorcycles forever. It's funny. The one thing I like about this, Demetrius, is, is that it's it's sort of like like we're all the same anyway. It's just that we have a common interest. I'm sure if you were out golfing and, you know, and somebody else came yeah. along, you had a problem, the other golfer is going to, you know, connect with you, I think is what I'm trying to say. And, and that's the thing with bikes, isn't it? Is we just connect through that one common interest, but it really does speak volumes for how similar we all are. Absolutely. Absolutely. That And it really does not matter what kind of bike you're riding, what style of riding you're doing. It's as long as you are on a motorcycle, you're part of that amazing group. So you, you, your start off really is from stealing your mom's bike 
<laughs> get, get, getting caught, but not getting in trouble. And that's yeah. really. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Your mom is obviously uh, you know, very relaxed and, and probably very open-minded as she sort of encourages she's, you at that point. Yeah, she's, she's an amazing woman. And she, she's the reason why I have done everything that I have done in my life, or at least part of the reason. So after this, you ended up going and, and um, I guess, becoming a street rider. How long did you do that for? So uh, what happened is that uh, right after I got uh, from uh, back from the military, I uh, purchased a Honda Transalp 600. Uh, and I was using that bike to deliver pizza. That's <laughs> not a joke. I was actually delivering pizza. We had that huge box uh, on the back of the bike and going through the traffic trying to do this with that huge 600cc motorcycle. Um, then after that, I purchased a brand new Honda DeVille 600. That's a, that's a cruiser. It's like a small version of the pan-European that we have here in the United States. So what happened is that when I purchased that bike, um, I was doing a little bit better financially, and I wanted to buy a leather, a leather jacket. And um, I decided that I'm just going to take the ferry and go across in Italy, and I will go to the source of uh, my favorite brand, the uh, Dainese jackets. So I, I got the ferry just like that on a Friday. I think it was a Friday. And um, when I started riding in Italy, I realized that, you know, people here pay attention to motorcycles. So it's not as difficult and it's not as, as dangerous as it is in Greece. So I started riding a little bit more and then a little bit more. And um, <laughs> before I knew it, I ended up doing about three, 4,000 miles in Europe for a couple of days. I think it was about a week. And uh, that was that was my first trip on the street, but it was absolutely only street. There was no dirt involved anywhere. Well, you ended up at one point. You you got in a crash with your you, that was yeah, with your street so, bike. Yeah. So he, so here's 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 what happened. I was um, I, I'm I'm really careful when when it, when I'm riding the motorcycle. I, I've always been wearing all the gear all the time. I was extremely conservative. I wouldn't go on a long trip except the one in Europe. When I was in Greece, I wouldn't go on a long trip because I was afraid. Drivers are crazy there, I'm telling you. And I can say that because I was born and raised there. Well, why? Um, why are they so crazy in Greece and, and then and not in Italy? Uh, because I, don't, I, I guess that they don't really have the proper training or the, the um, yeah, I, I guess they don't really have the proper training. Um, they they just don't pay attention. I think mm. it's just I think it's in the culture. I, I really don't know. I really don't remember anymore. But it's really dangerous to ride in Greece. It's the same thing in India. So if if you've ridden in India, which I haven't, but you know what I've seen on videos, if you've ridden in India, you'll see all these crazy movements around the cars and you know in between the cars. It's the same in Greece. They just don't pay attention to you. Um, so what happened is that I was going, I was going towards the city that I was born from where I was living and it was it was a, about a hundred mile ride it wasn't anything big but it was a road that I have done it so many times I literally knew every turn every pothole on the road everything and I was very conservative so what happened is um, about half an hour 45 minutes before I would actually be at my destination I tried to pass a semi and at the very same time that I was passing the semi the driver. This is a legal pass, by the way, right? Like this is, is this is fine. You were doing everything right. 
that is a legal pass that I was in what we back then called an interstate in Greece, which was two lanes, one each direction. And uh, it was a straight line for about 10 miles. And uh, apparently there was a forest road or something where that semi wanted to go. And he decided to take a left turn right as I was passing him. Uh, I don't remember much of it. I just remember standing up and just getting my dust off my brand new Dainese leather jacket that I still have in my wardrobe. And um, I also remember that the... Um, I remember the um, the bumper of the semi turned into 90 degrees from where it hit me, just about an inch behind my leg, my right leg. When the driver came out, started asking, where's the second guy? And I told him, you know, it's just, it's just me. And he insisted that there is somebody else there. That was about, actually it was 13 years ago, it was 2004. And uh, since then, for about nine years, I didn't even want to think about getting on a motorcycle again. And uh, what happened after that was um, I was at home. Uh, we actually moved to uh, Colorado with my wife uh, and um, after I got here in the United States. And uh, a friend of mine from the uh, group that I was riding with back in Greece uh, connected with me on Facebook. And um, I started um, you know, going into the groups that he was on and we started talking about motorcycles and it's actually kind of funny because what happened is that Facebook targeted ads towards my profile and I started seeing motorcycle related content. And um, one of that was The Long Way Around, the documentary, which, you know, I started watching. And then once you start watching, you realize that there is a lot of motorcycle movies out there. So I started watching everything. And, you know, if there is a motorcycle movie, I watched it. Long Way Around, Long Way Down, On Any Sunday, you know, whatever there is out there, I actually watched it. And um, here I am uh, on a beautiful day in Colorado watching the Why You Ride movie. And I'm thinking to myself, why am I watching a movie and what am I not making one? Not in the literal form, but why am I not doing what I'm seeing all these people doing? Yeah, you're getting all excited watching it. Why not get out there yeah. and actually do it rather than, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. So I... um. I walked into a BMW dealership and I walked out with a brand new um, 2013 BMW 1200 GS. Well, I'm just going to jump in here and explain what happens next. Dimitri felt like he bought the wrong bike. He went to the dealer to buy the GS Adventure model. I really, really, really wanted the GS Adventure model. And it wasn't in stock. The dealer didn't have it yet. But the salesman sort of talked him out of it. Yeah. The salesman actually told me that uh, it was too uh, tall for me. Now, I am 5'9". The salesman told him that uh, Dimitri is just too yeah. short for the adventure model, which stands taller than the standard, and that his bike is the standard yeah, GS. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, Dimitri buys it, he leaves the dealership, but he doesn't feel good about this purchase at all. So then he stumbles across a video about a guy who's even shorter than he is. That was Gaston Rahir. He was 5 foot 5 inches tall. This guy races the Dakar and wins. The 1984 and 1985 Paris-Dakar. Uh, 
Gaston was 5'5 five five on a good day with the boots and all the gear, and he was riding a bike that was twice as tall as him. So off he went, back to another dealer now. He trades in his almost new GS for a GS adventure, and then he has the bike of his dreams. And this is where the adventure really starts to begin for Dimitri because he has no off-road experience. And that lack of knowledge or skill, plus the blind faith he puts into his motorcycle, almost gets him hurt right off the bat. Um, you know, so here's, here's what happened. So when I got the bike, the dealer installed a small plug underneath the seat. So that small plug enables a special mode on the GS Adventure, which is called the Enduro Pro mode. The Enduro Pro mode allows you to have ABS enabled on the front wheel, but completely disabled on the rear, as well as disables the traction control. So it's what he told me, this is how you ride off-road. Unfortunately, I took that literal. So what happened is that I put that mode and I went to a forest road and I almost killed myself because <laughs> you thought that that mode was going to was going to make up for your yeah. lack of riding skills. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, OK, so this is how we ride off road. Let's do it. <laughs> so that's what I did. And I literally almost killed myself <laughs> in, in a forest road, a graded forest road somewhere in, in Colorado. Um, I, I mean, I, I like I just I love riding. I just absolutely love riding. And I really wanted to, to go into an epic adventure, just like, you know, Long Way Around or Long Way Down or all of these great epic movies that we have seen. But I realized that, you know, I have to learn how to drive, how to ride off-road. And um, I decided that it is time for me to go and learn how to ride. And there is no better way, no better um, place to learn how to ride rather than going to an actual professional. So Well, you've I, heard of binge listening or maybe binge drinking. Well, Dimitri went for binge training, and he quickly racked up some impressive training hours. Gathered 280 instructor-led training hours. That's an impressive amount of hours by anybody's gauge, and it isn't just at one school. Yeah, four different schools. Uh, I have been to the BMW U.S. Rider Academy in South Carolina, the Jimmy Lewis Off-Road Training in Baram, Nevada, the Tom Asher Adventure Rider Academy. I've um, also done a one-on-one class at the uh, Trials Training Center in Tennessee. And I'm still learning. <laughs> to put that in perspective, you're talking over three and a half years. Is that, is that what this 280 hours of instructor-led training? Yes. Yeah, that's some, over, yeah. Some would say that's an obsession, Demetrius. Um, <laughs> that's a lot of training. It is a lot of training. But you know what, Jim? Here's what I found out from going to all of this training and to all of these trainers. Every single trainer will be able to teach you something differently than the other ones. Most of them have the same curriculum, but the way that they teach is different. And what will actually stick from each one of them might be better from from one instructor to the other. All of the instructors will teach you about balance. Every single one of them. The first thing that they will talk about is balance. But until you actually talk to the balance master, as I want to call him, Jimmy Lewis, you won't know what they're talking about. I mean, it, it's every it's it's that thing. Every instructor will have to teach you something different in a different way, and it will eventually stick with you. So it might be an obsession, yes, all right, but every single one of them taught me something different in a better way. 
Well, I think before we go any further in this story, we have to talk about Dimitri's bucket list because his bucket list is unlike anything I've ever heard of. So, Dimitri, I think you're going to have to start there. What is this bucket list you have? Uh, gosh. Um, yeah, the bucket list was actually, it started the day of my accident. Um, actually, the day before the accident. Um, back in the early 2000s, I, I, I had a relationship with this girl that, her parents absolutely hated me. I mean, you know, they just hated me. And let's just leave it there. So at some point I was, you know, we were living together with we, with that girl. And at some point, um, in actually the summer of 2004, the, the summer that I got my accident. Well, as you can imagine, when Dimitri went and told his girlfriend's parents, who didn't like him anyway, that he was leaving, they were no longer going to be together, and he was going to go off and have this great life, they basically laughed in his face and said, you're never going to get anywhere. Not even out of the border. So you can imagine that got under his skin. But the very next day was the day that he got in the accident, the one he told us about, where he went to go around the truck and it turned in front so, of him. You know, I, I, I get up after literally facing death for a few short seconds, and I'm like, you know, this is it. This is this is my sign. This is now I know that I have to start doing things because I have been given a second chance. So that was a game changer for Dimitri. He decides that he's going to make his life into the ultimate life. So yeah, I'm going to have a great life and I'm going to leave from Greece and I'm going to go to another country and I'm going to go into this huge adventure and just sit there and watch me. And that's how the... <laughs> Uh, bucket list started. It helps me set a goal of things to do. And um, although the bucket list is private for the most part, I will tell you that right now the last item is item number 808. <laughs> so you, hang on, do you actually have a written bucket list? Yes, I have a written this, bucket this list. This is far more detailed than the average person. You, you have over 800 things on your bucket list? That is correct. Wow. That's, I don't even have a bucket list. I mean, I might have some vague ideas in my head. But, but you know what's really great, I think, about a bucket list? I, I know some people sort of chuckle about bucket lists. But I think the great thing is because really all a bucket list is goals, isn't it? You're just making a list of goals, things that you want to do in life. Not necessarily because I think a bucket list is often, often associated with like sort of an ego thing. You know, I'm just putting a notch in the belt saying, yep, been there, done that, and got the T-shirt and off you go. But really what you're looking at with a bucket list, and, and I'm thinking that this is what you're doing with it, is these are goals you're setting for yourself. These are your life goals. That is exactly what it is, Jim. And, and it really doesn't have to be something epic. It doesn't have to be. And I can I can just give you an example. A very simple one was just to listen to BB King live. And I don't even like jazz. So I set up a goal that at some point I'm going to go to Nashville, Tennessee, where he used to play before he passed away. And I'm going to walk into a, the place that he's playing and I'm just going to stay there for five minutes. And that was a goal. And that was it. And I actually completed that item, I believe, in 2012. So what motorcycle-related was driving you on your bucket list to do 280 hours of instructor-led training? That would be the GS Trophy. Yes. So when I got my bike, I actually saw uh, a flyer that said about the GS Trophy. And I, uh, that was in the BMW of Denver Motorcycles. 
the uh, well in case you don't owner, follow this the gs trophy is a is a motorcycle um skills uh, competition that bmw puts together and runs strictly with bmw motorcycles yes, which is not a race i have to say this no but it is a competition and it's a pretty intense competition a bunch of people from a bunch of different countries getting together to compete in their own country through regional and then national and then going on to the international competition this is quite a big deal it is it's very close to the camel trophy for motorcycles. I don't know if you're familiar with the Camel Trophy. Oh, very much so. I, I applied to it oh many years ago, probably thirty some odd years ago. In any case, I think I was eighteen or nineteen when I sent in yes. an application from Canada here. Okay, so I was obsessed with Camel Trophy. I never wanted to go and participate, but I was absolutely obsessed by what these people are going through and what they're doing to the vehicles and pulling it through. And when the World Trophy got right next to the world GS, it just, you know, it just clicked. And I'm like, you know, this is exactly what I need to do. And then right after my, you know, almost dying on a forest road, I realized that, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go for the GS trophy and I'm going to get training for that. And that's how I'm going to become a better rider. So um, I went to the BMW Performance Center, and I walked into the instructors and I told them, listen, I have absolutely no experience riding off-road. However, I do want to participate to the GS Trophy and represent the United States team. It has been my goal, my biggest goal since then. What did they say when you told them that? <laughs> there was a little bit of a smirk, but it was very subtle. And I totally understand. I would have done exactly the same thing. But you know what? I... Um, I will never forget when, when I participated on the first qualifier in 2015, I believe I ended up ninth for that GS Trophy. Um, my instructor came out at the parking lot and um, <clears throat> he came towards me and he told me, I wish I could tell you how proud I am. Because he was able to see from... Uh, from no experience at all to ninth and um, everything that I've done. So pretty amazing. You, you come in off the street not knowing anything. You get ninth. That's got to fuel you for more. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that became an obsession. Absolutely. I had been training nonstop for the GS Trophy. And at the same time, I had been promoting the GS Trophy because I don't want to end before I get to participate in it. You hear that BMW? You're going to have to wait. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, What you're saying, course, you want them to cancel the program before you get a chance correct, to, to go yes, into it. Yeah. Exactly, yes. So I've been doing my best to promote the event as much as I can. And I think I, think I did a really good job. But um, fast forward comes 2017, where we had three more qualifiers. I ended up... Um, I think 14th in California, 9th in Missouri, and 3rd in South Carolina, 18 points away from the first rider. Those 18 points means that I, I, I dropped the bike three times in the period of three days, or I hit five cones. That was it. So where do you go from here? Uh, okay. Well, I moved to California, uh, my wife and I moved to California about 
six months ago. And yesterday I rode and it was a beautiful 55 degrees while my friends in Colorado are, are getting started for the first snow, <laughs> yeah. which means that I am going to be riding as much as I can. There is a beautiful riding area nearby in my house. I don't have to put the bike on a trailer or anything like that. I can just go and ride as much as I can. And I'm going to keep practicing and I'm going to keep practicing until I actually um, make it and proudly wear that U.S. flag on my arm and represent Team USA for the GS Trophy. So what one are you going for? Uh, what was that again? Which, which GS Trophy are you, are you going for? So the next one is going to be in uh, the one in 2020. So the qualifier um, is going to be in 2019. The GS Trophy um, is every two years, and between the actual years of the trophy, we have the qualifiers for every country that wants to participate. So my next goal is the one for 2020, since I did not make the team this year. And uh, that means that I have two years more to practice. Stick around. We're going to be right back in just a second with more. We're going to thank a couple of sponsors that helped make this episode possible for you. And the first one is IMS Products. They've been making race-grade hard parts for motorcycles for over 40 years. And it's that experience and their sort of history that's behind their full line of ADV foot pegs that they have on their website at www.imsproducts.com. I began running IMS pegs last year, and I'll tell you that as soon as I stood on those pegs, I could feel the difference. And then since then, I mean, the, the handling capabilities with the, the wider stance, the traction that I get from the pegs, I mean, I can't say enough about them. IMS puts all the work into design before they offer their products, and it shows in the performance of the pegs. Um, added widths without sacrificing your foot angles for your shifter and your brake, that's really important. And a lot of uh, inexpensive foot pegs that you find just won't have them. And they certainly won't have the material that these things are made with. The material is so tough that it's likely going to outlast your bike. And as I said, it's warranted for life. www.imsproducts.com. Drop by and have a look at the line of foot pegs they have. And don't forget, drop our name when you're there, Adventure Rider Radio, so they know it's working for them. PSSOR is Puget Sound Safety Off-Road. It's the off-road training division of Puget Sound Safety. They've been around since 1996. Did you realize that? Doing uh, their, their training for new and avid motorcyclists. But the season is upon us. We're at 2018. We're January. This is the time to get over there and book your instruction for this year. There's a bunch of different things you can do. You can take their courses and run their small dirt bikes. You can take your bike and and run from their base camp, or you can take one of their expedition trips, which takes you on some of the backcountry discovery routes. So a lot of great stuff happening. I would recommend you get over there soon because they fill up fast because it's popular. So the website is www.psor.com. And of course, when you get over there and you're talking with them, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio so they know what's working for them. And don't forget that Brett Tax, who you hear here on our Rider Skills segment, is also there at PSSOR, www.pssor.com. So what's the deal with that as far as um, qualifying goes? You know, give, give us an idea of, of what these obstacles are like or what the whole program is like that you have to go through, that you have to win at to end up going to the, the final GS Trophy Challenge. Okay, so... What we do at the GS Trophy is we learn how to ride in very difficult 
tight situations and prove that this bike can do almost everything. Well, some may say that, well, why do I have to go over a two by four log for 30 feet without, you know, losing my balance? Because I will never have to ride over a log for 30 feet, you know? Well, yes, you will. If you're going through two very deep ruts and you only have, you know, like one foot to ride on an uphill, well, there it is. So this is what the geostrophy is. It, it, the geostrophy takes us into a course and they put all these obstacles with cones and rocks and gravel and sand and they just throw us all there under a controlled environment to show people what these bikes can do. So what happens is um, every country um, has a qualifying event um, and it's totally up to the BMW motor of that country how they want to organize the qualifying event. In the United States, we have three qualifiers in three locations. The uh, first qualifier takes place in Greer, South Carolina at the uh, BMW US Rider Academy. Um, they have a, a great area there uh, with um, mostly man-made obstacles and some trails. And that is the East Qualifier. Then the second qualifier takes place in Bixby, Missouri at the Midwest Trails uh, Riders Association, uh, which is, uh, I, don't know, I think it's like six, 700 acres of um, off-road height of um, OHB area. And uh, that is that is extremely difficult terrain, I'll tell you that. Um, it's, it's actually kind of funny because BMW approached them and they're, you know, all trails, riders, and hair scramble, and they said, okay, we're going to bring these huge bikes here, give us a course. <laughs> and and that, was, that was quite a combination. So um, that was the second qualifier, and then the third qualifier takes place at the uh, Rawhide Adventure Ranch in uh, Castaic, California. So uh, what we do is we take the best rider from each location, and these three riders will make the, the team of three that will represent Team United States, and when they will be sent to that location, wherever that is, um, next year is in Mongolia. So then, what's the the final event in Mongolia like? Is 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 it even worse than what the qualifiers are? Oh gosh, I don't know. Have you been to Mongolia? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> I have not been either, so I don't know what they have for them. But um, um, it is going to demonstrate it is going to demonstrate team effort and knowledge of the environment. And by that, and you all take note of that, by knowledge of the environment, I also mean like the history of the place and you have to know some of, you know, um, uh, important things about where you're riding uh, customs for the Mongolia, uh, Mongolian region and, and things like that. And then they're going to put them into, um, they're going to make some challenges for them uh, like go into a remote area and um, use just nothing but coordinates or a map and, and a compass and find those things that we've hidden for you and then go through um, another remote area on the bike, which is really difficult to ride through. And you're going to have to get off the bike and then all three push a bike over a you know six foot you know obstacle or something and then keep riding and everything that you can possibly find on on a round the world adventure trip and you need to be prepared for 
So by that, they will demonstrate what these bikes with teamwork are capable of. The only downside of it is that you have to have a BMW motorcycle to, to get in it because it's sponsored by BMW for the qualifiers. Uh, yes, that is correct. Um, I, I mean, I say downside is because, you know, that not everybody rides a BMW. It'd be nice to see the other manufacturers come on board. I mean, I, like, I love the yeah. idea of it because like you, Demetrius, I, I remember the Camel Trophy and I found it so exciting. I applied, but they weren't taking a team from Canada. There was no Canadian support for it. But what they did for me was they sent me a book back. And this is back in the day before the internet, of course. And and so when I got this this color book that showed even more pictures than what I'd seen in the magazines about the Camel Trophy, I mean, I was enthralled, you know, I thought it was just amazing because that kind of stuff is great. I mean, even if it's not about, you know, proving one person better than everyone else, it's the whole idea of this organized adventure, the organized competition. I mean, the idea of the way they that BMW has done it with this staging where you're doing the regional qualifiers and then you're going into the, the international one. I think the whole idea is fantastic for all of us, regardless of what bike you ride. It is absolutely fantastic. And I, I really wish more, just like you said, more um, manufacturers will actually just step up and do something. I believe that KTM just started doing something in the United States, something like a series of events. I don't know if they're going to send it to Austria and have like a, an international event. Hopefully they will. Um, but uh, yeah. You're, you, you said your sort of your goal, at least at this point, at the near the end of your, your bucket list, is the Dakar. What Dakar are you aiming for? Uh, Jim, I'll be honest with you. I was hoping that I can do this in the next three to four years. Um, and the reason was because I feel that I'm going to be too old um, after that. Right now, I'm 41 years old. And um, a few months ago, I found out that Pil Gogner, at the age of 51, is actually racing Dakar next year. <laughs> and and that, that, you know, that helped me realize that I don't really have a year for that. I just, I, I'm just going to go towards that goal and... If I can make it, I will make it. Um, if not, then I won't, but at least I tried. So there is one thing that I would like to share with you. There is, um, there is a poem from a Greek poet, uh, Costa Cavafi. He said, as you set out for Ithaca, hope the voyage is a long one, full of adventure, full of discovery. And this is, this is what the Dakar is about. It's not about me being at the start line. It's not about me finding the sixty or the $300,000 to participate to it. But it's about everything that I have to do from zero, literally from zero, to become a person that can actually think about running the race. Well, I love your drive and enthusiasm, Dimitri. Great to have you on. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jimmy. It's been great to be here. And that was Dimitri Turnus. And to find out more about Dimitri, we've got some links on the website. Drop by our website, www.adventureriderradio, and check out the show notes for this episode.
I just want to remind you this episode was made possible for you today in part by Max BMW Motorcycles at www.maxbmw.com. Best Rest Products at www.cyclepump.com. Green Chili Adventure Gear at www.greenchiliadv.com. And MotoBreeze Chain Oilers, www.motobreeze.com. Well, that about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio, and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our producer, Elizabeth Martin, and to you, the listener. Thank you very much. Now, I guess if you can, anyway, if it's not freezing cold and icy and everything, then it's time to get out there and ride your bike. I mean, if it is freezing cold and snowy, I mean, I wouldn't recommend that, really. Maybe it's time to kick back with a cup of coffee or maybe a cup of hot chocolate and listen to some past episodes of Adventure Rider Radio. Or Raw, for that matter. Don't forget about Raw. It's a separate show we do once a month. Next month will be coming, or the January will be coming out soon. Our first one for 2018, starting year three of Raw. Very cool. Anyway, you can drop by and, and listen to all those episodes as well. www.adventureriderradio and, and look for the, the raw link. My name's Jim Martin. Thanks for listening. See you next week. This is Spencer Conway from African Motorcycle Diaries, and you are listening to Adventure Rider Radio. Ah!